Aloha and welcome to Reflections on Interpretation, talking story with guides and interpreters. I am Tim Merriman, your host, coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii. And today I'm talking to Masa Shintani, an old friend from Japan who trains all over the world, 18 different countries, mostly on the African continent or Asia. Welcome, Masa. It's great to see you again, Masa. It's been uh, really a number of years, I think. Maybe the last time we saw each other was when the International NAI Conference was here on the Big Island. Yes, in Hawaii, the Big Island. Yeah, and that's so. been what was years, it? nine or ten Almost years. Oh, yes, yes. But I keep up with you a little bit by Facebook because uh, you're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me back up and just say, Masa and I first met when I was flying through Japan on my way to Singapore for a meeting with a, a book publisher. And uh, I was supposed to speak at Whole Earth Nature School. And, mm -hmm. and Masa picked me up at the Shin Fuji bullet train station. And uh -huh. I guess I was amazed that he spoke excellent English and actually sounded a little bit American with the choice of words he used. I soon learned that he's had quite a few years of experience with in America and work, working with English speaking people all over the world. Uh, when we were talking you uh, the other day, you mentioned that uh, originally when you went to college in Japan, uh, you were going to be an environmental engineer or chemical engineer? No, when I was in university in Mount Fuji, but you know it's close to Mount Fuji called Shizuoka University. This is a national university in Japan. One all. Uh, I just I study. I was my study in my education was applied chemistry. That what I study. That was a bachelor degree. Did you ever work at that at all? Uh uh, I hated the work. <laughs> okay. You know that you know that time, but I that was more like almost like thirty years ago. All the Japanese parents. Oh yeah, they of force, but they uh, recommend us to study something related to the engineer, or you know something, yeah, you know, something chemical chemistry or uh, something like that. I think parents like to encourage those professional degrees that pay well, and uh, they want you to be secure. And that is right. Yeah, but I did. I hate study. I really don't like my study. High school, you know, high school, junior high school, whatever. From, from I was born, I hate to study, but I, I enjoy playing outside. I I love the nature, and you know. But luckily, my parents, my father was a Boy Scout. All my family were Boy Scouts, so I, I go to the field. I stay in the camping side, and they are very happy. I think you know that's they they they're very positive. My my Boy Scout work. So I got a, a Eagle Scout now high oh, that's school. That's great. I gave up before Eagle. I made life and then I didn't go further. But uh, scouting was a very, very much a part of my growing up as well. Going okay. camping. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So if I go camping, if I do Boy Scout work, you know, of course I just play in outside and they are very happy. That <laughs> That's all. You went to graduate school in Florida? Yes, yes. Yeah, I finished the master's degree in Florida, Florida Institute of Technology. 
I was in a group of scuba diving and I found out uh, a lot of waste inside the, the river, I mean, inside the ocean. I enjoyed seeing the bird, you know, the, the fish, but I was, I got shocked to see so, so much waste uh, under the, under the water, you know, the, the, I changed my mind. I have, I want to do something good for the environment. I really want, and I decided to go to university for study in the United States. That time, uh, no environment education uh, degree or uh, graduate in Japan. Maybe one, two, but it's it's not like what I want to study. But I went to, you know, then I went to, you know, United States. At first, you know, study English. And, you know, like I said, as I studied, I really liked the ocean. So I went to Florida to search for the university. The one university, Florida Institute of Technology, and one great professor suggests me to do, maybe you can do the ecotourism. Back then, nobody was doing ecotourism. Who was that professor, no, I ask? Uh, Dr. Dudel in the Florida Institute of Technology. Yeah, she said he did not anything about ecotourism, but he helped me to search for it. And it's more like uh, this this university is a free to select a topic. You know, in this university, I have to find the internship to write the final report to graduate. Right. right. And I, I, you know, I really like the idea of ecotourism because I can stay in the nature. Also, I. I can I can do something good for environment. You know, it's amazing. I hate to study, but I study a lot because I like this subject. Mm. Uh, and try to get all the information over the world. And you know, that time that was not the internet. I have to get the report over the world from the university. I think you remember. Right, very you, well. You have to, you sometimes you have to pay to to get the one one paper from Australia. And that's that's what I did. Then I found out one organization called yeah T I E S, right? Yeah, G I E S. Then I send uh, I I called them. I remember I called them, and they said only two people or three people work in this organization, and said they cannot, you know, they cannot give me any opportunity because you know they don't think about uh, you know it's still very new about ecotourism, the words, you know, the the report and the educational study, they talk a lot, sustainable tourism and ecotourism a lot, but implementation, how they do in the, in the field was very new. Yeah. But they, the the lady, she, she sent me the list of like 100 companies, 500 companies or organizations, members, the member of the society the list, the book. Right. So I send the I you know, I send the letters to everyone. Oh my. I did. I remember I did. I think I, at least I did 300 letters I wrote. Um and they said it's uh, only you know two two received. Uh one from Costa Rica or South American company and I have to speak. Spanish, I said, no, it's impossible. The other one was uh, uh, Canada, was too cold to stay there. <laughs> I, I hate the cold because I was living, I, I, I live in, Australia, in 
<laughs> uh, Miami. <laughs> That's why. Oh, but I, you know, I said it's impossible. It's impossible to work in a, you know, ecotourism field. And I, well, I was in Florida at that time, and and we have an international business student and company uh, matchup event in San Francisco. And they said that they are going to give us a 400 US dollars to travel. So I went there and there was like a, a very famous company and Google was there. I remember Apple was there, IBM was there, many big company because they are looking for some Japanese guy who work in their company. Right. And then I was in a meeting and <clears throat> almost uh, I, like I I got the Mitsubishi final final event you know, final meeting and the, they asking uh, they asked me uh, what do you want to do in the Mitsubishi I said I want to do ecotourism I was in San Francisco and I enjoyed the you know I went to the event outdoor event I met the one company for Pacific Green Tours is no longer exist. And then I show my report, draft report about ecotourism. I said, this is my life. So I will, if you don't hire me, you get in trouble. <laughs> That's why I said to the owner. Yeah. And, and then you know, I saw it. Yeah, I saw the one uh, brochure in Japanese. I said, I found out they they wrote it wrong. You know, they, that was not the right Japanese. I said, I can fix it. Then they gave me an opportunity for me to do an intern. <laughs> well, I remember when I first met you, we talked and you had, you'd spent some time with that tour company and then later with Hawaii Forest and Trail, who yeah. I know very well, uh, Rob Pacheco and his, his guys. And you were guiding Japanese people in Hawaii. Yes and no. I actually the first there's no Japanese uh to tourist oh. to to you know they they go to like island island hopping tours or big islands saku tours not like eco tour or nature tour what we are we wanna uh, provide to the Japanese guests. So but you know the owner of the Rob Pacheco and the Cindy, uh, they help us a, help me a lot to give me opportunity to be a guide in English guide uh, to do a tour for 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 English speaking tourist um, to for me to survive. Right. But I was lucky. I I try you know in order to survive, I have to find a Japanese tourist to make money for the company. So then I, I did the stargazing tours and it be, become booms. Were those on, um, did you go up Mauna Kea? Yeah, to the Mauna Kea. Yeah. For those who don't know, Mauna Kea is famous for having a lot of large celestial observatories. Uh, some of the uh, best in the world, in fact, uh, we have a controversy right now. We're putting another 30 meter telescope up there. And oh, is that right? Yeah, some local people don't want another one. And some mm, yeah, I understand. I understand. And and so they've blocked the construction so far, but it's been an important 
location because it's a very clear sky at night and you're mm. at 13,000 feet elevation. So it's it's a really great place to observe the universe from. And uh, right. Japanese tourists have become a very important part of our markets here now. Right. And Before not. So that was the first person really make it happen and working together with a tour agent. And you went, you stayed here a couple of years and then went back to Japan. Yeah, I want to continue to work there, but because of the visa, I could not make it longer stay over there, unfortunately. But I, I can say it fortunately now. Well, I would think so because you've had an amazing career in the actual field you identified, ecotourism. You are kind of uh, Japan's expert on ecotourism. Uh, the government, uh, Japanese, tell me, I'll say this incorrectly, Japanese International Cooperating or Agency? Uh, JICA, called JICA, Japan International Cooperation Agency. Like USAID, USAID yeah. International Development, yeah. So they're assisting people in other countries with ecotourism development. No, there are so many activities. So oh, many. other things, you know, yeah, building, sure. Yeah, building a bridge. And there's so many, so many things they do. Especially ecotourism is more like, you know, the part of conservation, especially for the forest conservation. Uh, JICA sends you to those countries to help communities plan ecotourism programming tours green guys yeah right writing uh you know i did it more 18 countries 18 countries could you name countries. some of those countries for us indonesia malaysia philippines uh vietnam bhutan uh, laos uh, india uh, colombia africa gabon uh, botswana uh, Albania, Mongolia, like Mongolia too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we were in Japan and you had a group of Mongolian. Uh, oh yeah. There and we went and spoke to them at a, the city where Jaika's headquarters is. Maybe Nagoya. I yeah. don't remember. Many years ago, uh, you and I and Lisa, and Paul Caputo from NAI worked together on a little project in Malaysia. And we were uh, with JICA sponsorship, developing mm. ecotourism training materials. Do you still use those materials? Yes, uh, I, I do. I do use it. Um, I can explain you our, why I made this book. Since uh, I, I was the first person did a, 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 did a JICA uh, ecotourism, community-based ecotourism development, under the JICA. So uh, then we have a lot of uh, people coming from foreign countries, especially our government officers, to join the training program in the field. And also how about like, you know, I have some uh, local field in Mount Fuji. I did uh, training, many trainings for international people. And then things I learned from uh, uh, Tim and Lisa and and also my in my field, um, based on my experience, I did an interpretation training program. You came to a trainer's course we did in Minnesota. Right, right. Minnesota. 
And then later you came you came to one we did here on the Big Island at the Kilauea military camp, I believe. Yeah, I did it. I did. I think I went three times or two times because I'm not as good. Yeah, I have to understand clearly. <laughs> well, in fairness, Masa, you're working in your second language, and I I know about eight words of Japanese, and I probably mispronounce all of those. So, <laughs> I, I think you're amazing. <clears throat> then I did a training program. That time I did not have a training material, but I I pick I read a lot of books, and then based on my experience, try our 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 participant for training to understand, especially in the field. Um, but that was the I I made some textbook, but it was not the concrete. So after the training program in Japan, I did. They are very positive about interpretation. They want to do the training program after they going back to their their own countries, but they could not do because no textbook, and it's very difficult. Only the textbook is very difficult for for them to introduce what they have experienced, and then they went up. You know they went back to their countries and they tried to share this knowledge to everyone about ecotourism interpretation, but they don't understand clearly. Sure. So that's why I made, uh, I I suggest JICA to make uh, community-based ecotourism interpretation contents. Or based on my experience, I understand what is interpretation, but it's very difficult for the people to understand what is uh, the key of interpretation. Um, then then I I asked JICA to get the budget and this can help all over the world. This is what they are looking for. And then I got a budget and then I invite you to be a team. I remember we worked on uh, a training manual, a website, a bunch of videos that actually showed guides doing best practices and we did this in malaysia we did in malaysia we all get together that was that changed my life why did you choose malaysia it's in it's in asia and also they got their best practice but i did not want to go so much for nature-based ecotourism if we do like a nature-based ecotourism it's usually uh, be in inside the national park or wild heritage site, but most of the people who are looking for the job opportunity and do not do a negative impact is is uh, their local area means a village, a forest forest near their village. So uh, that's why. Uh, I was looking for somebody who can do like that. The Malaysian yeah. Nature Society was a good partner. I, I know them well. When I was working in Indonesia, they helped us our project. And I trust their, th their team. They were amazing. We were, they are amazing. We were in a Simai village. Simai <clears throat> are one of the 18 indigenous tribes of uh, the nation of Malaysia, and uh, it was a very, it was a very touching experience for me because the headman of the village explained that they literally had been treated like animals at times. They were, 
it it took i think he said around the year 2000 before the country recognized them as human beings with rights and <laughs> it, it was yeah. <laughs> it was a good story also because they were uh you helped them develop both uh homestays and cultural experiences in the village mm. as well as nature-based experience right um yeah that's right and that, i think that was almost like 15 years ago then after i made that book uh, and then I share with uh, all the you know trainee participants coming to your tra uh, training program. It the the book was translated, I think over ten word ten ten languages. Yeah. And the first was English and Spanish, and there are most of the most of the country I work uh, be translated. I do understand logically about interpretation. And based on my experience in the village of my place and the na nature of Mount Fuji, physically and mentally, also logically, I understand what is interpretation. And there are, based on, there is, because I travel many countries, I did a, it's, I, you know, I, I have to, I have to explain you, everyone is listening. I'm not doing, I'm not developing the tours. I'm helping local people to develop the tour by themselves and coordinate by themselves, supporting the local government, the national government, and working together with a local tour agent. So this is a micro project, a tourism business the local people can do. So you know, of course, you understand what is ecotourism and sustainable tourism. So that local people can get the benefit through the tourism. And also, when they do our guiding, they appreciate more about their nature and their culture. And also, they can protect their site because they want to show, they can make money you showing their local beauty. And they become a heroes. That's all ideas about ecotourism. Yeah, I, I've i taught in a tourism program in Hawaii, and it was disappointing at first just because it was so oriented towards resorts and kind of the big business of airlines, resorts, and hotels, restaurants, and uh, communities benefit from ecotourism if it's developed at the community level. And very often they resent tourism if it's not because it just increases traffic on the roads, crime, all sorts of problems. It does give, it creates jobs, but not necessarily jobs that are going to be for their children or their community. So, and you, you uniquely have worked in Iran. Yeah, I did. Yes. And of course a nation that an American would not be invited to work in. But you've had experiences. It's all the politics. Yeah, but you've had great experiences working there. Yeah, but uh, yes, I, of course, because we are America and Japan are partners, so we don't do any support. Uh, connect to their technology means nuclear technology. Right. However, JICA can support uh, human rights, 
education and uh, health plus environmental protection. So sense. my job is under the environmental protection, helping uh, villagers not to wasting their uh, uh, wetland. They're called the Anzali wetland. Do you use interpretive planning or design as a part of what you do? Uh, yes, one, especially I learned things I learned from Lisa and I use when I, you know, one of the project, you know, one, some of the project in, in under the JICA, we had the small community uh, level uh, visitor center, developing the community level visitor center. I use the interpretive uh, designing technique, um, especially a thematic part, um, theme and sub-theme. Um, that's what we do. Also, I have my glamping site. It's all the thematic designing, where to uh, where to welcome in the guests, what to talk, hold all the activities, and then all you know, like signboard inside the uh, my uh, glamping site is I use the interpretive technique. Oh, good. Well, mm. as you know, she teaches interpretive planning, and it's been a really the core of her career. And mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from her about it. And so that's a, that's a good part of helping communities understand mm -hmm. that everything matters. When we were doing the training materials with you, that sometimes you're just helping the community understand that they need to clean up, that they're, that plastic mm -hmm. bottles and cans and trash cannot just be everywhere and then invite guests to come into the community. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're right. And the flow, flow of the, the, the walk. Yeah. How That's, people move through the site. And also the number of the words uh, you can use for a signboard. Like you told me, the best interpretation is using a non-personal interpretive material plus personal interpretive material. And in Japan, also in many countries, there are so many words in a signboard. And the little pictures, and they never change it. It's always as I'm doing the project in Botswana, it's the same things, and they don't understand it. And that's why I'm trying to in Botswana, we try to make an interpretive signboard. Less words, better attractive pictures, better, you know, attractive drawing, and also supported by local people to talk using that signboard. That's yeah. what I'm trying to. Yeah. We really encourage brevity. We encourage people to less is more, use photos, help tell the story with photos. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, use, engage local people in it. Maybe mm -hmm. even photos of local people or stories about the local people. So, Do you know why it's happened? Many, so many words. There are many scientists, people, scientific, you know, professional, they make it. That's a one reason. The other one, if the government, they want to invite everyone to add. We call it book on a stick. <laughs> sometimes people are tempted to put everything they know on that sign. Yeah, I know. Instead of just 25 words that help people understand. Yeah, and tourism also is the same. Uh, people are 
like to do add more plus plus plus, but good equator product is a minus. Yeah. What you keep it, what you don't use it. Right. You don't give everything and give them more chance to think. I think so you're right. That, that is a key to success tourism business. How long would you be gone to one of these countries to do this work? Iran was totally a uh, five years project, but I went eight times. Uh, and every time, like one and a half, like 40 days each. So you're away from home and family quite a lot. Yes, yeah. We did that. Lisa and I did that for many years, 120 days a year, traveling, staying in hotels, uh, sometimes nice hotels, sometimes not so nice hotels. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sometime in a field. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a challenging life. It's it's wonderful to teach in those communities, but you're away from home and family. Are you at home more now? Uh, yes. Before was like eight months a year sometime, but now it's four months a year. I have trouble. For those who are listening, you should know that Masa lives uh, in an area, of, uh, a large urban area called Fujinomiya, but he lives more in the rural kind of area of Fujinomiya that looks up at Mount Fuji. So that beautiful mountain that you see in all the postcards and films and things about Japan, when he looks out his windows of his home, he's looking at, at Fuji. You have a project locally now of your own, right? Yeah, I do. I have a, I have a, my glamping and I have my eco tour company also in my village. And as I understand, uh, when you do tourism in Japan, you have to have a license for the area that you work in. No, actually, we don't need to. Oh, if you have to, if you want to have a tour agent, you have, have you have to have a license. Oh, okay. If you just have no license. Yeah. So let, I I want to I want to you know explain about this part why I'm doing it here, including Iran. I did many. I did support community, and I found that, uh, if you start talking about the conservation, they don't want to do it. Yeah. Because they have their own life and they have more priority to think about it, how to survive means no money right so i decide not to talk so much about ecotourism more like i find out what is their issues what they are facing and then try to get the more private issue what they are facing it so i mean i have to get the trust from them and most of them said at first we want to have a more job we want to have a more road but there are more Thing they want to have it's of course the money to take care of their family and also uh, be more happy to live in the village especially ladies when I try you know try to educate people it's impossible but I help them to to talk more about their culture but I found out not most of all all the villages I work in the world their story is connecting to the environment protection. Yeah. So this is more like a, a low-tech cultural conservation ideas. And that's what we need to learn from them. 
So uh, this is what we want to hear. So why why did you want to build your own clamping site? And, and I should explain for people who may not be familiar with clamping, it's a combination of the word glamour and camping, clamping. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you've not stayed in one, I like them better than hotels or resorts because they're yeah. they're very connected to the environment around them. That's right. I, uh, at first, I have to start it. So I found out what is a key to su success ecotourism. It starts from community culture or local culture. And it's much easier for the local people to talk about it. Especially the uh, somebody who has a skill like a, a, a restaurant owner, cooks, and weaving owners, workers, they always it's connect to the nature. And they know they don't want to lose, you know, the lost the nature. No, no life for them for the future. So that I found out this idea should be in Japan. So I left my family, you know, I I left my family and all my family and my friends are taking care of my family, just say hello when I'm not there. When I was in Japan, in, in the world, they, they send uh, pictures and video and uh, send it to me. So I have to do something good uh, to my my, uh, my my city, Fujinomiya city, my people living in Fujinomiya. So I decided to make uh, my eco-tour company uh, targeting the uh, Olympic tourist seven years ago. <clears throat> Yeah, of course, I got a problem of the COVID that's same as others when doing the tourism. But luckily, I got a great, you know, great number of the tourists. Our ecotourism, only all, all private ecotours, and I only do in Fujinomiya, inside the Fujinomiya city. And Mount Fuji is a part of the Fujinomiya city too. Nature activity, culture activity, working together with the local people, visiting, uh, learning from how to, you know, learning from uh, uh, craftsmen, how to shape the knife, Japanese knives, um, cooking together, learning how to make, you know, how to make a Japanese sweet, hands-on experience, tea ceremony, and always invite the, you know, local people who's working as a professional in my in my city, we work together, and that's what we are selling, especially in the uh, European and American, Australia, New Zealand, and Singaporeans, and selling this product and very well. I'm, but this place is not Fujinomiya City is not the place for for tourism business much, especially for international tourists. So I want to have some of the the one of the biggest challenges is to have a guest house have a have a place to stay like a hotel but luckily i got uh, land in the middle of the village so that's why i got a glamping site and now i'm making a guest house one more uh you're using a conical tent it's more like a like i can say like i'm very tent it's not like a boy scout tent no no it's, it's not more like a yurt yeah, yeah, like a yacht, yes. Yeah, it's kind of a yurt shape. 
but right, but smaller. Uh, right. And uh, are you getting mostly people from Japan staying there? Uh, during the COVID, of course, we got a lot of Japanese guests, but now 19% of the guests are coming from foreign countries. Oh, wow. Tell the truth. Yeah, tell the truth. We don't sell this, this uh, we don't sell it for a foreign tourist, only glamping, because uh, glamping is not my <clears throat> main, uh, you know, what is it? Glamping is to support, it's a part of eco tour. That's what I, I think. So we sell the eco tour. If they want to do just the eco tour, stand up like a small guest house in my prefectures. Like, you know, maybe you know, it's like a Minshuku. Traditional guest house. Minshuku, remember the Japanese traditional uh, small hotel? We yes. have some, we work together with them. So this, some of the guests just want to do the eco tours. Some guests want to do the eco tour plus stay in a small uh, guest house, not my my own. Or sometimes, you know, they want to have a eco tour plus our uh, glamping. So eco tours comes first. So we don't let the international people stay our glamping site by themselves. Right. Always. Eco tour comes first. Okay. And your question is where they're coming from? France, German, USA, England, and Australia, New Zealand, Singapore. Yeah. Hong Kong, Taiwan. Do you have a staff? Or is your family doing this work? My wife is it's doing accounting, but okay. we, we have four staff. And um, we have one on intern right now. Well, I I have been there before you built the glamping site and stayed with you and uh, gotten acquainted locally. And it's a charming community to be in. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was lucky enough to catch it during one of the festivals one time. Oh, you were. The Fuji <laughs> Festival. And uh, there's a lot of. Yeah. It, it was it was beautiful and fun, and I felt like I was learning about local customs and people. And uh, I would encourage anyone who goes to Japan to go to your area and get acquainted and find out about your eco tours. Can I ask you, of all of the traveling with 18 countries, is there what's been the best of it? What have you enjoyed especially about those that work? I can see the smile of the local people. Most of the people they don't trust at first. Trust me, trust the pro. They don't trust the project, and they don't trust their dream. Most of the people they all already slender, or they said it's impossible. They said it's you know cannot trust the government and no money, no education. It's very negative, but sometimes one two people are very positive. All the place in the world I see. One, two people are very positive. They change their, they change everything. And they, I can see their smile. So I feel, you know, right now I don't do interpretive guide much. I'm so happy to see my staff doing the guiding and I see their smile and the customer's smile. And I, because I enjoy more in a, to see in a foreign country, but it's, 
by themselves it's very difficult but if you have a if you have a platform we can do so my job is to make a platform so that's what i most enjoy is there anything left that you you want to do that's different from what you're doing right now no <laughs> this is good enough my dream already uh, came true or my dream is more than I expected and my dream first my dream was leaving Hawaii doing eco tours but uh, I have a I have a mentor in Hawaii and he's recommended to go back to Japan do the things um and I believe that God helped me to go back to Japan so uh, I was very sad I, I left Hawaii but uh, um I, you know, I actually I did an environmental exchange program with my my local students and Hawaiian student. I think team team saw activities too. I did it up like five five years about that one. Um, right now it's, it's only my dream is to help more people, especially young people, to do the similar activity what I I've done. So our, our mission of my organization, my organization called Ecologic, our glamping site is uh, Mount Fuji Satoyama vacation. Satoyama is a village uh, in the Japanese word. Um, so um, what do you say? Our, our mission is think globally, act locally. I want, you know, what I did is I have experience in Mount Fuji Based on this experience, I went to foreign country to support. And I got this foreign country experience bring back to Japan, to my place. So I want to continue. And I, I want my staff to continue. So all my staff is doing uh, their glamping work and Ecuador work in Mount Fuji. Also, they have to go to, they, they go to the foreign country to, do, to support. Right now, we got a project in Gabon, Africa, supporting gorilla and the village people, and also another project in Laos in the interpretation official program. Well, I've been aware through the years that you have developed an amazing career and a great reputation for ability to work in other countries. And of course, I admire that you work very often in English, your second language, which has to be more challenging, but uh, you do it very well. And Thank you very much. I I know from personal visits to your home and your community that uh, it's a wonderful place to visit. And I hope people will someday get the opportunity to enjoy your eco tour. But oh yes, for sure. I appreciate you spending time with me again today. <laughs> I, always, always. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you again personally and uh, getting to talk about <laughs> our common interests yeah. in ecotourism, interpretation. Well, thanks for joining Masa and I today. And next week, November 3rd, I will be talking story with Dr. Lucy Margaret Long, a professor, folklorist, fiddler, and writer who has a new book coming out on interpretation of food and culture. Lisa Brochu will teach an interpretive planning course via Zoom, November 7 to 10, and you can register at heartfeltassociates.com slash training. 
Thanks again to Mark Stoffel for use of his beautiful mandolin music. This time it's Yin and Yang from the Coffee and Cake album. Have a wonderful week and join us next Friday on Reflections on Interpretation, talking story with guides and interpreters. Aloha. Aloha.